Friday. There are some weeks where you just don't feel like you're going to get to this point, huh? That's true, but didn't you just ask me, is it only Friday? Yeah, I did. <laughs> strange week. It was a strange week. Oh, God. There, there were days that felt like double days. So, yes. yeah. That was a strange thing to say, though. Yes. And after I said it, I was like, what? Never heard that question before. No. <laughs> oh, the days actually don't mean much. Yeah, I'm in the office on weekends oftentimes, so. Right. But that's all coming to an end soon, and today is episode 491, and speaking of things coming to an end, Kelly, do you want to hit us with the gift of the day? It's just one word, severance. Severance. Now, you know me as a very bonding person, I would assume, correct? Correct. Yeah. I bind easily, not just with people, but with animals, the earth, and well, frankly, just about anything that has the capacity to be bound with. However, oddly enough, as intense as that bonding can be, sometimes to the point of inseparability, where you can't tell if I'm one with another or where one begins and the other ends, I can inexplicably detach to the degree that aside from memories and trace evidence, insinuating that there was a bond at one point, there is no longer. Does that seem odd to you, Kelly? It's not unusual, but it wouldn't be my preference in terms of changes in relationships. I don't feel totally detached from anyone in my past, even if we haven't been in contact for years or decades. They're characters in my life story, and I tend to wish them well, even if the feeling isn't mutual. And that's an interesting perspective, and I think that you're, you're in the majority. But interestingly enough for me, I see it, my situation is more of a gift than a curse. And when I feel betrayed or taken advantage of, underappreciated, abandoned emotionally or physically, or no longer loved, I just turn the power completely off to the magnet and disengage, detach, disembark, dissolving that bond with nearly no trace and often never to be heard from again. Now, to my love interest, this is equal parts terrifying and somewhat of a relief. No one wants to be put in a position where this might happen to them, of course. But on the other hand, the, the fringe benefit, it also means that I don't have exes in my life. It's that double-edged sword. Hmm. You might feel that way, but I'd gently suggest it's not as true as you think. I think our experiences with other people shape us and change us and continue to influence us. Um, and to deny that seems a little deceptive to me. That's an interesting perspective once again, and, and many people do, as I pointed out, have differing opinions on this subject, and some see mine as being very hard-lined. Some see it as actually sad, and I think that you probably fall into that category, and others see it as healthy, and still others see it as dysfunctional. I just do what comes naturally to me, and it hasn't failed me yet, so I'm not in any position to see it as anything other than normal for me. And when an intense relationship morphs to something else, it's dead, plain and simple. Reviving it as something else, repurposing it, as it were, seems completely pointless and is rubbish to me. But as an outsider, not privileged to what the backstory is in these types of debonding situations, I can see where it may appear to be somewhat of a shame and a loss from an outsider's vantage point. Right. Yeah, I actually couldn't disagree more with your position. <laughs> and you know how I recoil from a lot of the language you just used, the terminology of things being pointless and dead. But I think, you know, the morphing of relationships is natural, and we don't have to love it, but 
acceptance of change feels a lot better to me than thinking of something finished as a failure and just assuming it's all negative. I, I choose to opt out of that frame of thinking and terminology for my own peace of mind. I like that we can have completely different thought processes on this. We do. And, and I, I agree. I agree that that works for you and, and you've made it work for you. And I've yet to adopt that and see that it's functional. I tried on occasion, obviously, mm-hmm. and followed in the herd with most people and it just, it didn't feel right for me. And that's why I'm unique, I suppose. And that, and that brings me to my brief story today. I was reading an article in Esquire and, and Kelly, don't say it. <laughs> you know that I don't subscribe to any magazines, but I get it in the mail occasionally because someone used the wrong address and I couldn't help it. I, I, I opened it up a couple times. I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of neat. There's things that are very much geared toward me and then other things that are repellent to me, like all the fashion stuff and the people that are fake in these photos and stuff. But I flip through it on occasion and I look somewhat interestingly upon the fashion and how silly most of it still is and unrealistic bodies and overly expensive time-sensitive clothing that you wear until the fashion's expired and then you have to toss it out makes no sense to me. It's mostly gawking with justifiable disapproval on my end. But this month's edition had a compelling article featuring Liam Gallagher. And no, he's not a relative of mine. He's the co-founder and lead singer, dare I say the face, not the brains, of the band Oasis. And he and his brother Noel had an amazing career producing what could easily be considered the largest contribution to the soundtrack of the 90s. And here's a little bit of Oasis right here. can't get enough of these guys. I wish I could play more songs, but that gives you a sense if you're not familiar. And I didn't play Champagne Supernova because it's just overplayed. And even though they love to play it because the fans love it, I couldn't do that to you guys. So I have to ask you, Kelly, were you a fan of Oasis? Well, they're brooding Irishmen who gave us our generation some iconic songs. So of course, yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad we agree on that. And, you know, love them or hate them, they were entertaining on multiple levels. And one of the sideshows was their tumultuous sibling rivalries that were just as intense on stage as off. And I said sideshow, but oftentimes that took center stage. And as things do, it cost the band its longevity. The boys finally had enough of one another and split. And this sent a shockwave through the music world. They were not done. And you know, like the kid that keeps breaking the rules in high school and you later found out he's done a stint in prison kind of thing, it was ultimately quite expected. You you knew it was coming, but it's still tragic. And while you hear that they love one another from interviews individually on both sides, they haven't seen each other in over a decade. And that, that hurt me. So I'm in a quandary right now. While I'm super sad for these two lads, I would be a hypocrite if I said, hey guys, just get over it and get the band back together. Because I get it. 
Right. And not to mention the myriad of facts related to that particular story that are unknown to music fans and readers of Esquire, right? Very true. And that circles back to my point when somebody looks at my situations, like, my God, how can you just cut and run like that? I get it. There are, there's a lot of subtext. There's a lot of backstory that if I shared it with everyone, they would say, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it. So the question I have today for the audience is, do you have the gift, or curse as it would be in Kelly's world, of cutting ties, washing your hands, and moving forward? Or do you see that as a curse? Do you hold on to acquaintances because you don't have the ability to make a clean break? Do you wish you did? And of course, depending on which side of the equation you believe you're on, we can certainly help you fix that either way. Kelly, I can't wait to hear this homework. What do you have for our listeners today? Well, David, you and I seem to have opposite takes on this particular issue. I don't think cutting ties is a gift or that acquaintances are the evidence of an inability to break clean. But I'll go back to the gift of the day, which is severance. Hmm. So at that point of a break in a relationship, what do you think is a fair expression of the change? The, the Gallagher brothers might write music. In what unique way, positive or negative, have you compensated someone for the role they played in your life? What was the severance package that you're most proud of or ashamed of? Wow. You've got me thinking. I don't know that there were too many for me. Usually it's uh bye. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That's not a severance package. Something to absolutely contemplate. You've got me. Good. Yeah. Great job. So while we're contemplating severance, <laughs> what should we be doing? <laughs> <laughs> Most bizarre segue ever. Yes. Just doesn't fit. Non segue. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's go outside and fly our kites. Yako key. Just don't let go of the kite. <laughs> <laughs>